but uh, two tattooers from Sweden that listen to your show while tattooing at least a couple hours a day, sometimes for six straight. These guys are the best. This is the way you're supposed to listen to the show. Six hours in from the smallest room in New York City. I mean, either that or they're going to kill you and preserve your corpse. It's a show that gives you a reason to live. This guy says it was, it was a brutal menace to his family news story. Uh, even before it beat his 82-year-old great-grandmother to death and tortured his mother. Even before that, it was a problem. 23-year-old <laughs> Gary Bias accused of uh, duct-taping his great-grandmother, Ella, Nay, Elena Bias uh, to a chair before killing her in her Alphabet City apartment. And he also tried to kill his stepfather with a, with a miniature baseball bat last year. That is a cruel way to kill somebody. Yeah, it's like saying, you know, I just need my baby bat here. Yeah, it is, but it's also, it's like, that's going to be a painful way to go. Like, it takes a lot more wax. Yeah, and a lot of stinging. You know? <laughs> I mean, you, you, if you got whacked in the balls with that, that would be... Yeah, I mean, that's, you'd have to do something to kind of cripple you before the, the, the endless beating. I mean, you probably got to wait till just the thing breaks and you stab the guy. Well, it turns out that this 43-year-old uh, dad, Amon Green, who's left with a shattered eye socket and a gash over his left eyebrow, uh, he was a bias uh, who was also indicted on attempted murder and assault charges, released on $10,000 bond. <laughs> What? That's pretty low. That's very low. Wow. Jesus Christ. On <laughs> he's accused. Hold on. Of uh, I, I I'm I'm speechless. Attempted murder and assault charges was released on ten thousand dollars bond in August, and then he killed his great grandmother when he was out for crying out loud. On Friday, after killing his great grandmother, he called his mother to the apartment. He beat her and bound her to a chair, but she got free and alerted neighbors. So uh, he told police that he regretted not being able to finish her off. <laughs> that is arraignment. Let's just keep your mouth shut at the arraignment, okay? Turn no problem. <laughs> Any regrets? Kind of, no offense. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. She was like 80-something. <laughs> well, the 80-something when he managed to kill her. Oh, no, it was the other one. And then he called the mother over, and I guess she was probably, you know, she, hey, look. It's still embarrassing. Yeah, it's, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it's you had not, her all tied up where you wanted her. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should have uh, whipped out the bigger bat for your mom. <laughs> Dad got beat up with a and and, and so it, ten thousand dollars bond was on the, was not on the attempted murder. Okay, so t- so that was uh, uh, that was that was in November. Okay, of uh, uh, you know before mm-hmm. right. Amon Green, his dad, 43 years old, left and, and he was left with a shattered eye socket and a mm-hmm. gash over his left eyebrow. He was in and, and uh, he was released on ten thousand dollars bond in August. Okay, so he was out on the beating the guy up and killed his grandmother. That's what he's out on. No, 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 no. He was out on just beating up his exactly. dad. Exactly. Okay, so that's that. a little more reasonable think, than the attempted murder. Well, it, it might be reasonable, but it certainly uh, is. It was an unfortunate development for the grandmother yes. and the mother. Yeah, I mean, it's well, you know, you can kind of run that risk with the bail system. I mean, well, do you? I mean, do you have to though? Isn't there any predictive you can have if a guy attacks his dad with a mini baseball bat, shatters his eye socket? I mean, shouldn't a well, guy like that shattered your eye socket can mean a lot of things. I mean, it could be. I mean, you could have like you're a right. Chipped... That is in it. That is like non-specific, really, isn't yeah, it? It's, I mean, it's, it's it's a little colloquial. It doesn't mean like actually yeah. 
I mean, we're fractured. all picturing like the guy in Boardwalk Empire with no face, but it's like it could very well be like. But you, you know, know so I'll tell you something about the Daily News. They do tend to round down on stuff like that. Yeah, you know what I mean, so it could be. Yeah. Uh, it, it could have been a, a, an incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. He could have lost sight in his eye for crying out loud. They they always play down the like if they let somebody out on the oh he only did this he was turning his life around. Plus, I mean, let's see. The guy beat his grandmother to death, killed his. Uh, Mother or trying to kill his mother, and then yeah. he beat his dad's eye socket. And I, I'm guessing he had issues with dad. Yeah, beat his 82 year old great grandmother to death, and tortured his mother. That's 23 year old Gary Bias. Be careful if you meet him, uh, but you should probably have to go down to uh, some kind of a holding place, Rikers, maybe. Yeah, I bet she's remanded now. Yeah, he must be. <laughs> they probably did not. <laughs> Another 10 grand. <laughs> <laughs> So here's a question for you. If if he violates a violation of bail, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Now a bond violates his bond uh, by committing the crime. Uh, what happens to the bond money? Like, if he, so long as he's brought back, is, it does does that well, all play out Well, the bond money normally? would be released, yeah. But whatever they paid to bond him out, the the then whatever the bondman's fee is, they keep that. The bondman keeps that. The bondman keeps the fee no matter what. But the bondman's released from any obligation at that point. I mean. If he's not, apprehended. Not actually technically. Like, okay. the judge still has to order it, but they do that pretty pro forma. Okay. Uh, well, um, yeah, I, that seems to me to be a very, very... I want to read you the difference into... And I, and I know that you don't usually like to make a big deal about things like this. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very much like, oh, so what if the news story... Well, I mean, it's, quit, honestly, Pat, the reason way. I'm not like that is, is because the Daily News and the New York Post, to me, are rags in general. Well, how about the New York Times? What do you think of the New York Times? <laughs> um, I want to read you the difference. Okay, in. well, the New York Times here, I'll give you my, my, my take on it in advance. Okay. It is actually journalism. It's excellent journalism at times. Uh, it's okay. condescending journalism Sometimes. at other times. And it's a paper that just in general, I feel is always kind of laughing at me. Okay. And it's because, like, the things that they choose to hype and care about... No matter how hard I try, no matter how much education I have or how much reading I do into the subject, frequently I just don't. Oh, okay. You're talking about the uh, yeah. the, 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 the social things or yeah. the, like uh, sometimes the international news. which, uh, which yeah, It's like declining interest rates in Paraguay, and it gets an entire page. Yeah. I, and it, I'm sort of like, I don't understand this or care. Let's talk about their treatment of criminals now. Uh, I want to read a story first from the New York Post. The paper of record, founded by Alexander Hamilton, uh, low so many years ago or something. Well, I mean, if it was Alexander Hamilton, he was shot. Did he find it? Did he? I think I it was no Alexander idea. Hamilton. I mean, I, I, or was it the other guy? Aaron Burr. <laughs> Aaron Burr. Founded by Aaron Burr. <laughs> <laughs> I really should know this by now. Yeah, I mean, you are like their biggest fan. I'm a big fan, but I'm also, I'm one of those, I'm like, I'm a casual fan of everything I'm a fan of. There's nothing I know everything yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, you're not I don't, a... I don't go deep. I'm a fan of all trades. Uh, this is a kid porn teach. Okay, here's the headline. Kid porn teach guilty. We covered this story. This before. is the New York Post, right? This is the New York Post. Now, this is something, and I read this story uh, when I when I did the last podcast, the New York Times version. But I'm going to read you first. Because the New I'm going to say, there's version. no way that the Times puts teach. No, they there. don't. Uh, teach. They also don't say things like slay gal. You know, they also <laughs> don't hyphenate kid porn, which I'm not sure needs to be <laughs> hyphenated. Well, you know, I, I, I think it does. Now, I, I, if the Post is doing it, then to me, that is the standard. I'm going to read the story. <laughs> Former Bronx High School of Science teacher John Cruz. We covered this story last year when he first... This guy is the perfect pedophile. Uh, glasses... Uh, and I say pedophile, not a, a child molester. Uh, former uh, former Bronx High School of Science teacher John Cruz pleaded guilty to child pornography charges... Friday, uh, 
a conviction that will land him an automatic five years behind bars. Cruz, who taught social studies and coached the debate team at the prestigious school, admitted he received sexually explicit photos of an underage boy two years ago. At the time I chatted with the individual, I knew he was a minor. Cruz, 33, told Manhattan federal court judge uh, P. Kevin Castle. And in a deal with feds, Cruz faces between 11 and 14 years in prison and will have to serve at least five under mandatory federal sentencing guidelines. He'll also have to register as a sex offender and pay his victim's restitution. Cruz was indicted on 11 counts for sending hundreds of dollars worth of gift cards to five teen boys in four states in exchange for fetish picks. Okay. That's the New York Post version. Let me, let me jump in there, though. Okay. That is one of the most straightforward pieces of reporting I've seen the New York Post do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That is that is about as direct. That is not indicative of all the times they cover stories it's, like this. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about Fair this, enough, this piece is very factual, and and uh, now uh, and and at this point, they're they're not. Uh, I'd also like to know what the restitution is. They're not sensationalizing it the way they might have. You know, like when it first, uh, if sure. when the story as the story developed, I believe that it was. Uh, of course, they. I mean, I, you know, the puns and stuff are usually limited to the first paragraph. Yeah. Okay. I wonder so, if he taught biology. <laughs> now, here we have the New York Times version of the exact same event. Okay. All right. A former teacher and debate coach at one of the city's most competitive high schools, and, and already there's a difference there, one of the city's most competitive high schools pleaded guilty in federal court. Well, they court said in, prestigious, right? Uh, well, they they did they said prestigious, not one of the city's most competitive. Okay, so a former teacher and debate coach at one of the city's most competitive high schools pleaded guilty in federal court in Manhattan on Friday to one count of receiving child pornography. The former teacher, John Cruz, resigned in March 2015 from the Bronx High School of Science. Uh, he resigned, it says. He was a popular figure at the school where he was recognized as the tireless coach for the speech and debate team, which became a formidable national competitor under his leadership. The charge carries a mandatory minimum prison term of five years and a maximum of 20. As part of the plea, the prosecution agreed to recommend a sentence of approximately 11 to 14 years. Uh, that range is just advisory, however, and Judge P. Kevin Castle of the Southern District of New York We'll they sentence, wrote that the same way. Well, yeah, they did. Well, sentence Mr. Cruz in January. According to the United States Attorney's Office, Mr. Cruz, 33, had multiple conversations. This is uh, according to the United States Attorney's Office, Mr. Cruz, 33, had multiple conversations on mobile apps and social media with at least five minors from July 2014 through December 2015. They put it in a window. He paid the minors to send him sexually explicit photographs. During the proceeding... The courtroom was crowded with Mr. Cruz's friends, relatives, former students, and the parents of former students. About three dozen people in all had come to support him. This is unusually broad support, said Steve Zisu. Odd. Mr. Cruz's lawyer. Wasn't there that whole movie? Yeah. It's the says, Life Aquatic with yeah, Steven Zisu? That's Zisu. He says, you just don't see this. Uh, they know what he's done, and they know it's wrong, Mr. Zisu added of the former students who came to court, but it doesn't undo all the wonderful things he's done. As Mr. Cruz left the room, he turned to the crowd behind him and said, I love all of you. A chorus rose back in response, we love you. Do you see a difference in those stories? Yeah. So what do you see as the chief difference there? <laughs> well, for starters... <laughs> Clearly, the New York Times thinks that if you could say something in one word that you could say in ten, you're just being lazy. Yes. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, why why get to the point? Yeah, I mean it's no, I mean it's obviously a much more colloquial version of who who uh this cruise guy was in advance of this particular charges. Yeah, it does spell out his accomplishments a little bit stronger. It's and it, it it certainly paints a better picture of a sympathetic courtroom. Yes. Than they do. Uh and now why do you think they would want to do that? Well, I'm asking myself in this one. I don't know. What's your theory? I'm not good at this. This is not my thing. Oh, Journal- okay. Analyzing the journalism. Yeah, yeah. who is good at that is uh, news where Mandy Statmiller. I should I should get her involved. But she the thing is with her, and and she doesn't see like motive in the same way I do. To me, well, what what's I, your mo- yeah? You obviously have some. Well, that's point what I don't know. I really it. don't know. I see the result of something. Yeah. And I go well. Usually that's the motive. You know what I mean? I mean that's I'll what be you honest, wanted to do. This is a much more comprehensive picture of the whole story than the post gave you. Well, is it, though? Because, yes. I mean, to what significance is it that he was surrounded by supporters? I mean, uh, it, you know, if there was, if they created a disturbance of some sort, then I would see that would that would make it court reporting that needed to be done. Well, because it's, it's honestly, at this point, it's alliteration. It's, it's you're painting a picture. You're uh, showing a court. You're showing that this is unusual, and you're, you're giving more information here in the New York Times. Yeah. You're, now, <laughs> you're doing it. But you could also go one step further and say, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, everybody else in the courtroom uh, had uh, murmured with disgust. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which somebody undoubtedly did. I'm sure somebody probably did. Yeah. So. And that's the thing about these. I mean, if you were to actually outright allege that some of this is not true, you've got a real journalist. Oh, I'm not problem, alleging I mean, it's not true. It has nothing to do with that. It's the way you do something now. Personally, yeah. I like it. I will say that. In this why? rare circumstance, I actually do like it. Well, I like it because it gives me grist to talk about, but I don't like that they, uh, I don't like the agenda that I see there. Well, and the agenda that I see is not necessarily, um, I think I think what it is, is, is supposed to be one of like, uh, there's an implied forgiveness, an implied mercy, an implied mm-hmm. sort of like, well, okay, I child porn, that. you know, it's not that bad. He's, it doesn't undo everything wonderful that he did. And this is a great guy. He's a really great guy. You know what I mean? It's. It, I think it's to humanize uh, a, a, an offense that people generally see as something that, like, is uh, just—it's something that makes you an anti-citizen almost. You know, what I mean, it really makes you a bad person if you're into child pornography. Yes, and I, I wouldn't even disagree with that. And I and I think that that's what they're. I, I, I'm I don't just not know, sure that's bad. To what end? I don't know. I mean, uh, no, no, you think that's a good thing? You think that's a good impulse? You think? I, I think that these things should be. Uh, I generally like it when the New York Times despised. covers crime better than when, you know, the Post or the Daily. You don't see it very often. Well, they cover crime. They do. Uh, they, and, and you know what? They I find do, it, but they don't. I mean, they don't. Look at I know. The I don't po- look at these papers I know very Roscoe often. Pascarella. You know, I know Karen Kerr. Like, these are the actual crime beat reporters from regular, regular, um, you from know. The, from the tabloids. From, from, yeah, from the tabloids and from regular court appearances. They're there a lot. Yeah. They know all the attorneys. They know all the players. They know all the games. I don't know the New York Times people. I see them from time to time on big cases. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know them as rec. I do actually like it because, honestly, I've been Steve Zissou many, many times in this situation. Oh, you've defended a lot of child pornography? I've defended everything. Well, you've told me before you don't like the kitty porn. I don't. That's, uh, those are the ones you like the least. I don't because people lose their minds over it. They treat it as more than a crime. Yeah, There's well, almost nothing you can say. And you don't get things like fair trials. You don't get fair hearings. You don't get fair perception at all. Okay, so maybe that's what it is, is that they're trying to uh, direct that perception a little bit. Maybe. And, and, and I mean, I would be surprised that a newspaper would care enough to do that. Um, but 
well, New York Times is a very caring, very, very caring institution. But even like the most caring institutions or, or, you know, even your most left-leaning, your most challenging, when it comes to things like kitty porn and animal cruelty... They shut down completely. No, Even not, your most, but that's changing. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. And and, and uh, you see, all, uh, there was there was uh, and th- discussed too a guy who says uh, they're they're I think they're really trying to move the line on that. You know what I mean between pedophile and child molester, and between uh, somebody who's who's looking at child porn and somebody who actually touches kids. It, and it, I I I'm me, not I opposed think, to that. Really? No, I'm really not. I, I mean, it's there needs to be some ration in these laws. I mean, there really does. They're they're really they're, so they're think, driven by hysteria. Do you think that uh, the five year mandatory minimum is too high for for receiving? I don't know child porn? per se in this particular situation. I don't really remember the facts too much about this. I don't know how much child porn. I don't know what type of child porn. I don't know what well, the psych profile said of this guy. There's a lot of things that would teenage make very- boys, fourteen and fifteen. Uh, he paid the minors to send him sexually explicit mm-hmm. photographs. Uh, he had multiple conversations on multiple apps and social media with at least five minors, so he's communicating with them as well. Yeah, I mean, that does seem like a five-year mandatory minimum. He might get a lot more than five years, too, keep in mind. He that's might, federal, but, that's so you, federal but, but do you think a five-year mandatory minimum is, is, is too high? Well, do you see, I see a stark difference between communicating with them on mobile apps uh, and, and uh, social media mm-hmm. and uh, just, like, looking at dirty pictures that you bought off the Internet. Well, let's, yes, I agree, too. So, no, I'm not entirely, entirely sure that I do think that five years is too little for him or yeah. is too much for him or too little for him. Right. I, I think five years is probably very appropriate. Uh-huh. But I do agree to a certain point of what Zissou said. I mean, so often I see people, I mean, the, the, the well, whole... Well, he's, he's the a whole, defense attorney in this right, case. but the attack on my job is always, well, if they shouldn't have done the crime, they shouldn't have done this, they shouldn't have done that. You know, I hear this 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 sort of attitude. It's like, well, the problem is, is they did. And now we have a person who's a comprehensive person, who's an entire life yeah. ahead of you, and you have to make decisions. And you can't just slay the book at literally everyone. Well, of I course I mean, you not. could, but, I mean, then you're really not a judge. Well, and that's and, th- and that's the legal side of it. For yeah. me, the, the uh, journalistic side of it is you clearly have an agenda at that point. You're reporting uh, facts in a way to sort of illustrate a certain thing. And I know that uh, every newspaper does that to some degree. I yes. think that this is overboard. I don't on this one. I really don't. I mean, that's that's a very accurate portrayal of what went down. In but that you don't know room. that. Maybe four people said it, and, and it was a chorus. You know what I mean? May a chorus. Well, they, they I mean, they give you sp- pretty good numbers on about how many people are there in his support, right? Yeah, it said about 36. But it doesn't say... Uh, what makes a chorus? Well, they don't. They didn't necessarily all say mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? They, I mean, you can't the, say that Zissou didn't say that unless you, he really didn't. I mean, there's... No, what I'm saying is, like, uh, the, it, it says a chorus throws back in response. We, now, all that is, like, written by the reporter. Uh, a chorus is a subjective sort of thing. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. could be two people speaking in a chorus. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not necessarily... He, that might have been, uh, been barely above a whisper. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and we don't know it that. And so been, but and so they mean, may be taking that and blowing it up. I don't know. But I also think, well, that's why it's not really relevant. It's not to report the facts. That's not facts. I don't, I don't see that to be facts. Now, they have, uh, obviously, a right to report it any way they want. But when you can see I'm an agenda in something. I'm not also entirely sure I agree that a newspaper shouldn't have, a reporter in particular, shouldn't always be agendaless. Well, I mean. Uh, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think the press <laughs> is the fourth estate, if you will. Uh-huh. has kind of a responsibility to to promote some form of change to to expose problems and to recommend well so okay so so I mean, long I as do. it's I mean, so long it's, as it as it shares your perspective i guess i don't i don't dis- i don't agree with that i absolutely don't agree with that i mean there's the papers that don't share my perspective i don't read <laughs> but i think that they Vote have with your dollars and your clicks 
But uh, I mean, but no, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, of course I not. don't, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I don't read, I don't watch Fox News. Well, I, I do, read I the do. Press. Right. I, I enjoy being outraged uh, by, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but just by the cover, I mean, I'm not going to read mm-hmm. like political opinions that, that are like uh, outlandish and silly. I, I mean, I do sometimes, but, but I, I mostly like, when you read the crime news, I think it's very interesting to compare the differences. And that was really always about. Yeah. Is I mean, no, the, there is certainly so the, daily news, the Daily News, huge apologist for criminals. I mean, like when somebody gets shot, a criminal gets shot, we're talking about a story that the Post has maybe in the blotter. They put it on the front page. Well, shot but down the in the prime also, of I life. Mean, the Post also, of course, has its own slant in that I see them but, blow but things daily news wildly first. out of proportion. But Daily too. News first. Uh, when they cover something, it's they love to go, he was an aspiring architect. Mm-hmm. He... Well, in what way was he aspiring? Well, he, he said he might want to do it someday. I mean, <laughs> he wasn't in school, that. you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they, they really do stuff like that. They, they make it sound like this guy is right on the verge of everything good happening for him. He had two beautiful children by two lovely women. Mm-hmm. He was I'm engaged sure. to be married to one of them, almost. He mm-hmm. was considering buying their... And they, and they, I know that they're just selling a story, but they're also humanizing criminals in a way that is like... Uh, and that's a perspective you don't agree with. It, it's, well, no, it's not that I... I, I, I'm fine with humanizing them. I think that they're trying to humanize them in a way that is uh, that that you can see the exaggeration. You know what I mean? To say aspiring architect. So tell me, he was a smart kid. He was good at business. He ran a drug operation pretty good, and uh, you know he, he could have been something. I that I get. You know, but don't blow it up into this family friendly way. That's my opinion. Now, the Post, let's talk about the Post. The Post, as we've uh, compared these in the past, the Post is your angry dad yelling at you. Yeah. The Daily News is your lying girlfriend explaining why she's out till three. Uh, and the New York Post, you know. New York Times is. Yeah, New, York, New York Times is your grandmother. Uh, you, know, you know, the New York Times is like about a, is, is like a 28-year-old lesbian uh, who who <laughs> who's really into Greenpeace and shit? You know what I mean. Although I don't, I mean, I think they do still have some of the best international reporting you're going to get. Well, most, I mean, you know. I I have no basis of comparison really. I, I I read that stuff and I don't. No, I actually think as far as very as far as like politics and stuff, them and the Washington Post are really the two that I. Well, the I New, York, New York cling Times to. is so all over the place. I mean, like I'm reading, I can't read a story about some shit that I don't care about happening a million miles well, away. Well, that's that's often barely, a problem. I can barely keep up. Uh, but now, I still think that sort of journalism is important. I think New York Post, yeah, I'm sure that it is. it is important. People need to know. I think that uh, uh, now one big story that's been happening. Here's here's Rosa's pre-trial error. Okay, it's supposed to be a, a, a big problem. Here here we are with the Hispanic story again. Back to back to Derek Rose. This is the 21.5 million dollar civil case against him for gang rape. Uh, it says here, uh, Derek Rose's lawyer. Tried playing the race card Tuesday during jury selection for the next uh, star's <laughs> rape See, trial. Right mm-hmm. there. I mean, yeah. Tell me what tried playing the race card. Yeah, I mean that's pretty inflammatory language, and that's a characterization. It's uh, is it is it is it though? Yes. Isn't that what you said? Wasn't that your exact? Well, because words? the race card is a word that has no definition. Um, race card is anything you want it to be. Okay, so it's, so it's not inaccurate. It's just general. Uh, I didn't okay. say it was inaccurate. But, I said uh, it was inflammatory. It says his arguments fell flat with the judge. Rose's lawyer, Mark Bont, objected to the fact that 15 of the first 27 names on the... On, I said 29 before. Sorry about that. The correction, 27 names in the jury pool appear to have Hispanic surnames. Rose and his two co-defendants, longtime pals... 
uh, Randall Hamptons and, and Ryan Allen are African American, while the woman suing them for a total of $21.5 million is Mexican American. A lawyer for Hampton and Allen also complained that there were only two African Americans among the 50 prospective jurors summoned to the L.A. federal court. Would you consider that playing the race card, that they complained about only two? I don't know exactly what you mean by playing the race card. They protested a well, jury panel. They, I mean, it's the problem I have with using the opening based line. Based on race. Try to play the race card. But based on Say race. That, try to play the race card. The race card has become this idea that there's some sort of, of, of negative implications to it. Every time somebody's accused of playing a race card, it's almost negating the argument that's made. So they essentially negate anything that they're going to be reporting on in that opening paragraph. Yes. Uh, that's inflammatory. Well, th- but the judge also negated it. Well, so, right. So report that. Well, they did. I but mean, the easier way you could rate that story is, yeah, they did. But my point is you're, 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 you're going on and on about this being an agenda. I yeah, think the, that's an agenda, too. Well, the reason that I don't have a problem playing the race card, used the term playing the race card, is because this victim is playing the rape card. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I mean, saying, playing, the, that, playing the race card, you're right. You know what it is? Is it's, It is a characterization. It does sort of, uh, uh, like, uh, it, it does everything you said it did. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you. I'm just not saying it out loud, for Christ's sake. Well, I'm Unless just you're going to fucking insist. Yes, Jim. Now, a lawyer for... Wait a uh, minute, though. I just went through 20 minutes of your analysis on <laughs> well, Mr. Cruz. No, I, I heard what you said, though. For the record, I, people, I I've been disagree. here for six days. <laughs> well, take it like a man. <laughs> This will be the last story then. Okay, so Judge Michael Fitzgerald said, my answer is tough luck. That's it. I mean, that's that's how judges talk. Yeah. I, he said, my answer is tough luck. I've actually guarantee you he said more than that. My answer is tough titty. <laughs> I mean, I, I bet you there was another part of that. My but. answer is tough shit. A lawyer for Rose's rape accuser complained in court that the former MVP had violated a gag order in the case. She she played the she played the gag card. Well, that's an interesting one there. I wonder what he violated. Well, he uh and he when he asked she asked the judge to enforce the order and uh, the judge said he would look into it. He was uh, Rose was excused from court to play in the next uh, preseason opener against Houston is accused with his two buddies. I don't know what the gag order is. Yeah, they didn't go into it. I love, I love too, that the judge is like, I'll look into it. What really do you need to look into it? Either it did or he didn't. I'll look into it. Yeah, I mean... Maybe he hadn't heard it yet. Yeah, it's very possible, but you would think that her lawyer would have shown him. <laughs> That's kind of the point of him being there. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what he... Oh, yeah, maybe it was something that was right on the line. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah, I mean, I'm was, sure uh, it was, it, but it, 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 was, it wasn't like... He was like, the victim's name... Because you know the victim's name is still withheld, and and like mm-hmm. they're forcing her to expose her name. How do you now? She's a Jane Doe right now, and she's suing him in federal court. It's right now as it stands. She will have to, uh, if if it goes to trial, they're in jury selection now. If it does go to trial, she will have to be named. How do you feel about that? That's fine. I have no I problem so with too. that. I have no if problem with that. If you're an accuser, you didn't I mean, have your name named. It's an open court. It's a free nation of laws. The only way you ever close the courts are when you have extreme circumstances, and they're and they're. Supported by hearing. You heard it here first. I mean, it's it's you. If, if justice, justice masked is not justice. Justice hidden is not justice. Justice has to be out in the open. Everybody has to be able to see it. Now, the joke but of it is... justice is blind, though. Yes, but the process has to be transparent. If the process isn't transparent... Well, did you know the, it's illegal to watch a blind person undress? Yes, it is. It's also illegal, illegal to undress in front of a blind person. 
without them knowing it. You know, there's a lot of things that... If you get caught, how the fuck do you get caught doing that? There's all sorts of laws on things that... uh, You know, one of my personal favorites was there was a town in Alabama that one time wanted to uh, abolish all laws except for the Ten Commandments. (laughs) (laughs) I always wondered how they were going to prosecute people for coveting your neighbor's wife. That's going to be a very difficult one to prove. Well, you, you know, you, you could only have those ten laws. You have to have really strict sentencing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, all all hell uh, for eternity and everything. No, I mean, there's there's uh, I mean, yeah, I know it's a free nation of laws. Justice is blind in in its administration, but but justice must be transparent. Justice is blind. Justice justice is borderline stupid. When you look at the way it's applied, sometimes people are going to jail now, long prison terms, and yes. they don't, and they'll get out sometimes after 23 years of a 25-year sentence, and they go, "Oh, we found the DNA. Turns out yep. you didn't do it." One guy, and then we covered this. The guy was in Florida for Christ's sake. And well, he, I mean, and he got uh, and he got convicted of a crime that happened in New York City, and he he was in prison 20 years. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? I, that's what I don't understand. If they find evidence that, that is going to get this guy out, why does it take it that long to go from the lab to the courtroom? <laughs> it's, uh, here's the most frightening part. Uh, let, me, let me double down on that. Sometimes I believe, and I'll bet you, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. It doesn't. And people just do the whole time. Because, I mean, here, look, once somebody's convicted, that's final. You don't get to retry cases except for in rare circumstances. Like when they find evidence you need that, legal that, that, that exonerates you. Yeah, I mean, most states have now put in provisions to make that happen, but for a long time they didn't. Yeah, I guess DNA evidence is relatively new, mm-hmm. so uh, they it, it, it takes a while to sort of, like, get everything sort of rigged up to take that I into like account. I like that Texas quickly passed the law saying, yeah, you can't sue on anybody uh, who was executed. Yeah. They saw that one coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, executed wrongly, right? Like oh, yeah, family, yeah. like, wrongful death suits and stuff like that. Well, yeah. I mean, they did the best we, they could. and uh, Well, we did what we could. Yeah, uh, nobody is, wants to open that can of worms. Some people got a fry. Uh, no, but it is a huge can of worms. It seems like with this DNA thing, too. Now, they, there's some things where you get, uh, what do you call it, uh, money when you get out. You know what I mean? Like, there's some, mm-hmm. there's, there are some rewards in place, different states. They're by state. Some of them have good ones. There's no amount of money for and, that, though. And, uh, well, I mean, no, of course not. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding? Of course not. No, there's no amount that could compensate it. And the amounts they're offering don't even come close. I mean, it's really... I saw some movie. What was that? I think it was like, it was a stupid movie about like the prison system. It was, it was like Dak Shepard was in it. But I did love at the end when uh, when they're burying the guy's lover and they were like, and he said something that's like, it's like, it's like, well, you're actually now the sole inheritor of the estate. There's no amount of money that can mend a broken heart. Well, you have $9 million. It does admittedly take the sting out of you. Know, <laughs> it mean? doesn't. Uh, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, like I mean, it's like I mean, you know, I, I still think you could come up with a number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, You're talking about. Uh, I always think about that with Central Park Five. Like nobody really. There's no compensation for what you went through, but you still do have forty million dollars. Yeah, I don't get. Don't we don't need to open that? Talk about a can of worms. Well, don't tell me you're going on the word of Eric Reynolds. Uh, I don't, I mean, the Armstrong report is pretty convincing, but I have to say that, like, uh, I, I think that, uh, my chief problem is it, is that de Blasio did not, uh, follow his, you know, do his responsibility for the city. He did an agenda driven thing and gave them a large amount of money instead of, they would have settled for 20 million. Yeah, they probably would have. Yeah. No, I think he, I think that the law department dropped the ball there. Yeah, but all politics it, is agenda driven. It, it's it's too much money, and and uh, all politics may be agenda driven, but that's the wrong agenda. Well, that's I mean, the point of view. Well, the, okay, uh, 
So okay, let me let me get. Let me also bet that you didn't vote for Ville de Blasio. Let me just ex- let me just explain how um, how that is. If okay, so the agenda being, I want the black vote, and the other agenda being saving the city twenty million dollars. I think he has a responsibility to not be selfishly pursuing votes while he's in office. I think that he needs to worry more about uh, the city's finances. That's that's my opinion, uh, and. Uh, well, that's a pretty high standard for every New York mayor other than Bloomberg. Just $20 million. That's the best thing about having a multi-billionaire in office is they just can't be bought. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I had problems with Bloomberg. Well, everybody had problems with Bloomberg. He's the fucking mayor. Well, and he's, I mean, he did what all New York City mayors who last long enough do. He got a tad autocratic there at the end. And, and the only reason that he started doing that, uh, like I, I assume you're talking about the... Uh, Nobody can drink a forty-ounce Coke anymore. Oh yeah, I mean there was a lot of shit. There was the the, the, I mean, the, the was... soda limiting thing, but I think the only reason he did that is because he accomplished everything else. He got around to it. That man did a lot, and he did a lot of good stuff. Now I don't I don't agree with the bike lanes. I think that that's a bad idea, mm-hmm. and and I don't like to see that. I think that he was sort of like trying to create this kind of like you know, but that man cared about the city, mm-hmm. and he and he spoke straight, and he said it exactly as he thought it. He quoted and he cleaned stats. up the mess that Giuliani left him. Well, yeah. I mean, financially. No, I mean, talking financially, the city was a disaster when yeah. Bloomberg got a hold of it. Well, uh, I, I, I would. He did. He, he did do that. Bloomberg he balanced the mayor, budget right away. Bloomberg was a mayor I voted for, and he's a mayor I'd probably vote for again. Yeah, if I only had problems I... with him, but I, I did like Mike Bloomberg. Well, you know what? You felt safe in Bloomberg City. You I felt didn't... Bloomberg, New York, felt safer. I to feel me. no less safe, honestly. Yeah. Well, in, in Manhattan, you got to walk around and see people taking a dump. Yelling at you in the streets. Yeah. Things have changed a little bit. Not a lot. Not a lot. I'm not, saying, I'm not like, saying they haven't. I, but I, it's just turning around, and it's a little dirtier. And uh, but a lot of this is is the uh, Black Lives Matter sort of uh, the the uh, what do you, what do you call the general mood of antagonism? Yeah. There's a there's a there's a hostility in the air here. Yeah. There really is, and it's I mean it really boiled over after the Eric Garner indictment when the city was kind of literally on fire for it, prices of it, and I mean right. it was. And if and if and if that uh, guy hadn't been shot over in Missouri, mm-hmm. people would have never like caught onto that Garner mm-hmm. thing. They were not paying that much attention to that. When he died, there wasn't a, there was no people justice. Noticed they no reported it, Pat. but all that stuff didn't get talked about. I thought it was. I I was like, why are they not making a bigger deal yeah, out of this? I was. I remember we talked about it on the show and, before and yeah, it was and a big story. And it did, yeah, exactly. It looked bad. Um, however, it doesn't mean that Erica Garner should now be a political pundit because she doesn't know anything. <laughs> Erica talk was she was supporting Bernie Sanders. Well, They're like, what is it about Bernie Sanders that you like? Well, yeah. you know, he was an immigrant. She said he was an immigrant. Well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna sound more conservative. She said than I, Bernie Sanders was an immigrant. Yeah, I mean, here's my here's my favorite one though of all of this. This is where I'm gonna sound very conservative. The oh, guy boy. who filmed the Garner thing. There's like a big free him movement. <laughs> yeah, there's a big, there's a big free whatever his name is. I forgot his name was. Yeah. Until you read what he was convicted of, it had absolutely nothing to do with filming the police. No, it was like weapons and drugs. Yeah. I mean, it was. And it he was... and he claims every time that he's being targeted. Right, but it was like. It's... Which I don't think the cops got time to like. And my problem with targeting is, is it out. works. It works a lot better if they weren't so right. <laughs> like, you know, if they didn't get you so red-handed. You well, know? I mean, you know, he's trying to claim, too. Uh, maybe he's trying to claim that he didn't do anything. Is that what it is? Is that, oh, I didn't. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, like, come on, you got a gun. You got drugs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Come I, on. Dude. You know, that's where I usually draw the line. Do I think police do all sorts of improper things? Yes. Do I think corruption is a waff? Yes. It's this sort of this idea of, like, planting things on people. 
I was like, like, does every cop just have like an unregistered gun and a bag of crack in his car that he could just drop on anybody at any given time? You know, I mean, you certainly have some thoughts about that. I thought you. How many times have you seen in court when somebody goes, "It was uh, drugs in the console. They were sitting in the center." No, that's because they found the drugs where they're claiming they did. They found the drugs where they had no reason to search. I'm not saying they planted it directly there. I'm oh, saying they're lying. Saying the drugs they're were there. They're just lying. They just didn't save them. Yeah, I mean, they had the, They found the drugs in the trunk, and now they have to explain <laughs> why they're searching the trunk on an ordinary taillight outside. I understand. Just because they know there's drugs in there, and they're right. Sometimes cops have hunches. Yeah, I mean, it's this? like, but that's that's the thing. They they don't. Let's, uh, I'm going to talk about this uh, at a later time as well, but I want to touch on it right now because it's a story that just came to my attention, sent in. Uh, what appears to be a human heart was found inside a pink box in New York City's Lower East Side. 67-year-old man found the box at the Reese house on Wednesday at around 11 a.m. According to New York Police Department spokesman, the man called police and uh, someone from the medical examiner's office came to the scene to remove the remains. That's what you need. You got to go high level for a human heart. If it's a hand, you know, yeah. it's like if I can scoop that up. It's a it's a dustpan. But now the contents are apparently undergoing testing to determine whether it was indeed a human heart. Is there any chance it could be a clown heart? <laughs> it could have belonged to an animal. Spokesperson said uh, it's uncertain when the test will be completed. That leads me to believe if they don't know from an animal, then it must be a small heart, possibly that of a child. Yeah. Which is really scary. Woo-hoo. The man who found the heart was rummaging through the garbage when he found it at the bottom of a container holding a potted plant. <laughs> not always the. Uh... Police were searching. You did the for right the thing, though. I mean, you know, it's 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 you're rooting through the garbage. You find a heart. You know, I think find I found authority. a heart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can add to this story is I know who Jacob Reese was, who the Reese houses are named after. Who was that? He was a social reformer and photographer, one of the pioneers of photojournalism, and he took uh, pictures of the poor, the homeless, and the downtrodden during the Industrial Revolution and uh, shocked people in the conditions they were living in to do good things. How about that? He's a whistleblower. Well, it's kind of funny is, is his photographs are the very early days of photography. And so, you know, with the giant flash cameras and everything like that. So his subjects, I actually have a book of Reese photography. Mm-hmm. His subjects are like these poor people who are sleeping in tenements who were just suddenly woken up by like a <laughs> deafeningly loud noise. And pl- so they all have this kind of like, uh, zombie look on their faces. Oh, that's great. But it's, uh, that's what poor people look like. Yeah, it was, it, they're kind they're a little shocking in that way. But uh, they're, yeah, he was a social reformer and they named the houses after him. Here in that, New York City. If I'm not mistaken, those photos were using as the basis for the uh, Little Rascal series. I'm just I was wondering if that's actually true. Picture the street urchins and whatnot. Uh, see, Pat, this is how internet rumors <laughs> get started. This is why everybody thinks that the derogatory name for homosexuals is fag because of the bundle of sticks thing. Oh, really? That's like the most popular thing. Louis C.K. even did that in his show. That it was a bundle of sticks? They used to say that, that homosexuals are called fags mm-hmm. because a uh, fag is also a term for a bundle of sticks. That's what they refer to. You know, um, that's what that's what they called the thing that was on uh, the poker game. Yeah, yeah, like I said, and uh, and so they called them fags because you know people were burned at the stake, but the homosexuals were so low they weren't even burned at a stake; they were just burned in a fag in a big pile of wood. Okay, so what was the real uh, origin? But it's not that. But it's not that. It's not that at all. Okay. No, it it was actually turns out that the first use of it as derogatory for homosexuals comes almost 400 years after the last time people were using fag as a bundle of sticks. Oh, okay. Well, I I mean, long, long after anybody was being burned at the stake. Well, who knows? If you know, send us your answer. Not that we care. Uh, And and you're probably just. mm -hmm. 
spouting an urban legend. I mean, I got that out of a book of people who study the origins of words. So, what, well, what if urban you legend? Know and no one else does. Well, I'm not. Oh, oh, well, I'm not. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I see what you mean, right? Yeah, yeah. You're saying. <laughs> but by the way, Jim is the highest authority on this, so you don't know. However, you can write me with comments, which is what <laughs> I was trying to get to. Pat Dixon, NYC at Gmail. Love to hear from you. Comments, questions, things like that. If you're going to be in Indianapolis, October 26th through 29th, or anywhere near there, if you're within two hours of there, I would say make the trip to see me. There's six shows, October 26th through 29th, Crackers Downtown in Indianapolis, Indiana, one of the best clubs in the Midwest, and that's when I'll be there. Hope to see you there. Also, uh, you can also uh, catch me on Compound Media. If you're not subscribing to Compound Media yet, let me recommend it highly. We have 50 shows, New York City Crime Report. That's all archived, and you can look at that anytime. Very entertaining stuff. Guest Chris Laker, uh, Jim Polk has even done the show. We've had uh, uh, Kevin Brennan was on the show, Anthony Cumia, uh, a host of others, including uh, you know, newsmakers like Joe Lozito, who uh, is a regular guest and a great guy, and a subway hero, Joe Lozito. You guys know him. Listen, if you're if you're not subscribing on Compound Media, you're really missing out because there's a lot of other quality entertaining as well. The Anthony Cumia show, Gavin McKenna's show, In Hot Water uh, with uh, Aaron Berg and, and Gino Piscani. I'm not trying to put the hard sell on it. I'm telling you, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you will enjoy the program. It isn't just, you know, like a, a TV version or a, or a videoed version of, of what we're doing here. There's a video element. There's a visual element. There's a lot of fun. I know you guys will enjoy it. Check it out. Compound Media slash NYC Crime Report, but subscribe at compoundmedia.com. That's all you have to do. If you're listening to the show for the first time, welcome. Hope you're enjoying it. Why don't you just uh, do one of those things where you leave a very favorable review. It's got to be five stars. Don't do four stars. Do five stars. And even if there's something you didn't quite like, fuck it. Just do me a favor. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, we deserve it. And uh, we uh, enjoy you know, reading your comments, and thanks for, for putting a very nice review uh, on iTunes, because those things really help a lot. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet, because that is also helpful. You can tune in, uh, well, most every week. Listen, if I've missed a week here and there, it's only because I'm working on this tit uh, documentary <laughs> of the march, you know, the yeah. uh, topless day march, and uh, a documentary would be stretching it. It was like a walk-and-talk podcast. However... We did interview uh, a lot of participants, and uh, especially news for Mandy Stadmiller. Very good at sticking her nose in and, uh, and and seeing what the hell's going on. She's a reporter who worked with the New York Post for many years, and she's uh, she she's a Northwestern uh, uh, educated reporter. She knows what the fuck she's talking about. She knows how to interview. She knows how to make uh, how to not be like a creep too. Well, you it's know also what I mean? top journalism school. I mean, they're the ones I think that uh, that uh, that ended the death penalty in Illinois was the Northwestern School of Journalism. Well, Mandy Stadmiller saves lives. Yep, and you can read her if you want to read about our relationship it's on the cut it's the unwifeable column new york city uh, new york city new york magazine yeah that's what it is i almost said new york city crime report the cut new york magazine <laughs> the cut that's online she tweets about it every week on friday the new article today is about uh things that you got to get over in the first year of being together it's a relationship thing however i know a lot of you ladies out there Want to know what I'm like in a relationship? I mean, I'm a real prince. I'm a real sweet guy. <laughs> Words like insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> Incalculably tedious. I mean, I guess it's, I, I, if I had to live with me, I would hate it. But I don't, uh, except on a daily basis, every minute of every day. 
all day er day uh, coming up on uh, on the show on the tenth. Uh, this is uh, I'm talking about New York City Crime Report, NYC Crime Report on Cumia, uh, Lance Weiss, and uh, and a bunch of other very funny people. Now coming up on the seventeenth, Michelle Eskenazi will be back. Uh, yes, Bail Bond Queen uh, making another appearance at on NYC Crime Report. We always have a ton of guests. Mike Figs is on very frequently. Asian Pat Dixon. And Mandy Statmiller herself, you can see. And she is fun to look at and listen to. So be sure to tune in. Uh, a lot of good uh, guests coming up in the, in the upcoming weeks. So uh, with all that said, uh, I do appreciate And by the way, when I say she tweets about it, that's what I wanted to mention. At Mandy Stat. And you should be following us, too. Not just at Mandy Stat. That's M-A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-D-T. You should be following NYC Crime Report on Twitter. You know, you get some stories there. And if you're interested in a group on Facebook, New York City Crime Report is a group. So New York City Crime Report with Pat Dixon group asked me to join. I'll probably say yes. I pretty much vet people. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I do say no occasionally. Uh, and, uh, it's rejected me three times. <laughs> Well, you know, you shouldn't have said that thing about the thing. <laughs> also, there's another, uh, there's a, the entertainment website one, which is just a, you know, anybody can do that. Come on and like that. Like the page. I like it when you like the page. You get the stories here and you look at them. Sometimes I spell it out what we're going to talk about. It's a real treat. So I appreciate you guys listening because New York City Crime Report fans are a little bit better than other people. Don't ever forget that. And if you want to pick up one of those New York City Crime Report t-shirts to show what a fan you are, well, you know... Those are uh, those are for sale. You can get one if you live in the United States. You get it for twenty five bucks. That includes shipping, and everything, tax, whatever. It's twenty five dollars. Uh, so uh, be sure to do that if you have any kind of. Uh, I mean, uh, actually, uh, Jim happens to be wearing the shirt. I did nice. right now. And 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 let me tell you something. It looks good. It, it's a good looking shirt. It feels good too. It's it, nice cotton. Yeah, you it's, bought good material. Oh, it's ring spun cotton, one hundred percent, and uh, it's very, very. Uh, it, it, it to me, it gives me a fit. Like uh, somebody told me, um, they said when they got it, like, wow, you didn't tell me it comes with an extra set of pecs. <laughs> but it does. It gives you, it gives you a, a very uh, form fitting and, and and good looking shirt and a, a look, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Now I want to say hi to a couple guys out there and. Believe it or not, uh, Sweden. I have Swiss fans. Mm, Swedish. Is that right? Swedish Swiss, fans. Swiss Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they know I'm a tart already. <laughs> uh, this came in. It says, uh, "Hi, Pat." Where did I, uh, it didn't, well, it didn't just come in, but uh, two tattooers from Sweden listened to your show while tattooing, at least a couple hours a day, sometimes for six straight. These guys are the best. This is the way you're supposed to listen to the show. Six hours at a time. Two I mean, either hours that or they're going to kill you and preserve your corpse. But <laughs> These guys are not going to do that. These guys are very talented. Uh, and you should be following them on Instagram. I'm going to shout them out. This is on Instagram, at BlackMagicJake. And that is spelled exactly like it sounds. At BlackMagicJake. Follow him. Also follow at Peter Lagergren. Also spelled like it sounds. <laughs> That's P-E-T-E-R-L-A-G-E-R-G-R-E-N. And uh, those guys there are, are extremely talented. Go to I uh, go to the Instagram and look at their work. Uh, some of their animal stuff. I want to show you right now. Yeah, Jim, please. Since you're sitting here, I'm gonna Instagram, and uh, I follow these guys, and uh, we will have a look. I um, I was kind of shocked because uh, you know I'm not like a I'm not I don't have any tattoos. I'm not a uh, hold on one sec. Well, yeah, I mean. I don't either, but if it's good enough, I may fly to Sweden. 
Now Peter is. Uh, oh. Yeah, the, the the you know you know black magic Jake. He's Can proud I ask of a it. question? Why are Europeans always better at stuff than we are? <laughs> I mean, do you ever wonder that? Like, yeah, they are. Aren't I they? Mean, they always speak multiple languages. I mean, look at that. That looks like somebody painted that on paper. Yeah, not on a guy's chest. It, that's a, that's a, sort of like a flaming wolf dragon thing, but actually looks like that. Animal hybrids are sort of his thing. I think uh, he's got he's got several, and a lot of them have roots in like you know uh, real sort of like uh, creatures and stuff. Skunk like that. Real mystical creature. I mean, I don't think he created them all. What is this here? This is a some sort of a worm. Well, it looks like that's a hawk eating a snake. That's a hawk. bird eating a snake. Is that what that is? I don't know if it's a hawk, but it's some kind of bird. I guess there's a chance that I'm just not very good at interpreting <laughs> artwork. And look where it is. It's on a neck. Yeah, it's on his neck. I mean, he's, and the, the bird is coming out of a rose. That is a... Uh, that's gorgeous. That's absolutely yeah, gorgeous. It's it really, really good. It, ca- stuff. it captures the scene. It captures it. If you've ever been a bird eating a snake, you know that's exactly what it that's feels like. That's a tiger. That's that's something else. Look too. at the look at the color. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good stuff. Peter Lagerkin, thank you very much for listening to the show, and thank you, Black Magic Jake, uh, for listening as well. Thank all of you for listening, and I hope to see you soon, especially if you're in Indianapolis, October 26th through 29th. And uh, uh, Jim, uh, is your band playing anywhere that we can talk Actually, about? yeah. We're going to be at the uh, Queen's Night Market this Saturday. Okay. Up I, at uh, the New York Hall of Science in Corona Park. I don't think it's going to be up by then. Okay. Well, then uh, after that, okay. um, we're going to be at Lovecraft on the 15th. Lovecraft, October 15th. October 15th. And we're going to play the New York City Marathon this year. Play it. How do you play the marathon? You, 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 all through the marathon, there's Just bands keep running and behind actors. Them, huh? <laughs> yeah, the extension cord. <laughs> yeah, Pat, look at me like I'm running the marathon. I mean, I don't know, man. You look like a runner to me. Yeah. Where, uh, where, where are you playing on the marathon? We're gonna be at. Uh, we're gonna path. be in Brooklyn. We're gonna be at uh, 86th and Fourth Street in Bay Ridge. We're at mile two. Mile two of the New York City marathon. So before anybody falls out of it. And, yeah, and playing the blues. Yeah, we'll be playing the blues. Julie will be singing. Brewster Moonface. You got it. Uh, and you can see them there. And you can see them the 15th of Lovecraft. Uh, and uh, But most importantly, you can see them at Mazzy and Poke. Making justice work for you. What's that phone number, Jack? Uh, 516-280-9035. Okay, I almost remembered it, but uh, you guys got it that time. You know, as much as I love talking about crime in New York City with Jim Poke, I also enjoy talking about other things like stand-up comedy people like Al Martin. Al Martin owns Broadway Comedy Club. If you're visiting New York or if you live here, you should definitely check it out. It's one of the very best clubs in the city. It's on 53rd Street between 8th and 9th Avenue. Very easily accessible from several subway lines. This week, I asked Al about a little dust-up I heard about between him and Sarah Silverman. Here's what Al has to say. Check it out. Al on comedy. Down in Florida, minding my own business, and my cousin comes over to me and goes, did you hear what Sarah Silverman said to you? And I go, no, what? You know, it's because all this crap happens when I'm out of town enjoying myself on vacation. (laughs) So she sends me the link, and it's Sarah Silverman on there doing a public service announcement for Levo. Uh, And she said, I want to talk about the gender gap. Fifteen years ago, I was at a comedy club, and this comedy club owner, Al Martin, shorted me, paid me $10 when he paid my friend Todd Barry $65 or something like that. Now, I remembered this story because it was one of my wife and I's first dates that night. I brought her to the club. I wanted to you know, show her the comedy club experience, hang out at the bar, whatever. That's when a woman had kind of graduated, right? To that point, to like be brought into the uh, Well, what happened was there. Todd was booked on the show that night. Sarah was just starting to get a little heat in her career. 
and she came down with him because they were always close friends from the Boston Comedy Club days. And uh, it was a little click. David Tell, Todd Barry, her, they all kind of hung out together. And um, she, she came in and said, Al, can I do a few minutes? Which is very common for people. I think she was writing on SNL at the time. And um, I said, sure, you know. Think anything of it? I didn't want to say no to her. She was, had some recognition already from, for her career, so she went up on stage. It's a gracious thing, really. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a Saturday night. I got another show right after it. I really can't be giving out time, but I figured it's good for the club for people to see her. Hard to say no. She comes out afterwards, goes out front where Chris Murphy and Todd Barry are hanging out, and they start talking. And she goes, "Wow, that was a great crowd," or something to that effect. And Todd says, yeah, it's usually pretty good here. And she goes to him, did you get paid? Now, um, Todd said, yeah. So I don't know if she was out of the loop for a few years already in New York and didn't realize. But it was, I gave her a guest spot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Todd had a book paid spot. So she comes over to me and she goes, oh, Todd got $60. Why, did I, 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 why didn't I get paid? I said, well, you didn't get paid because it's a guest spot. She goes, well, I still did time in there. I said, you asked me to do the time. I didn't book you for the time. So she was getting a little agitated. So I said, here's $15 for cab fare or $10, something like that. Yeah. And she took it. And then little did I know, for like 15 years, she held this major grudge against me because huh. I only, you know, and then she started arguing with me. And then, oh, yeah, now I, I said, listen, hell out of here then. What do you want from me? You know, we did get into an argument that night because my wife reminded me of it. Yeah. And then I guess she waited 15 years to extract revenge by doing this Levo <laughs> thing, you know. What is Levo? I have, I have no idea. It's some kind of website, uh, I guess, that dealt with, you know, women issues. And, oh, okay. And she went on the attack. And She uh, considers that a gender gap woman issue. Yeah, that was a gender gap woman issue, and Levo ran with it. Of course. And then the Daily News, without fact-checking, ran the story. Oh, That course. I was a scumbag or whatever. So I said, you know what? I ain't taking that shit. This is bullshit. So I, 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 was, I was at the racetrack the next day, and I was in a poker tournament with my wife. Uh-huh. I got knocked out early. She was still in the tournament. I had to kill some time. So I went out to the grandstand, and I recorded my own video. I uploaded it onto the uh, Broadway Comedy Club Facebook page. My, I had like seven Facebook pages, like about 20,000 followers. Uh-huh. And then I, I boosted the post, and I went nuts. I spent like 150 hours boosting this post. And then people picked up on it. And little did I realize there is a latent group of people that hate Sarah Silverman. <laughs> the conservative right movement hates, hates her. I didn't know. And they ju- <laughs> they jumped on this. And I'm getting calls from Breitbart News. Yeah. I'm getting calls from, like, all these news outlets. It's cascading. Fox News. Yeah. Rush Limbaugh talked about... I mean, everybody's talking wow. about this incident. This comedy club owner who's fighting this big left-wing agenda issue. Over $50 yes. 10 years ago. She thought she was going to steamroll over this situation. And I had to defend my reputation. And I basically said, why would I want to screw over women... Uh, Quite frankly, my mother's a woman, my sister's a woman, my wife's a woman, and my two kids are women. So where am I, 
what's I got a lot of skin in this game. I don't want to see them screwed over. Yeah. Yeah, it's a just because a woman's involved does not make it a woman issue. Right. You have to use your brains. Right. So a lot of comics that knew me through the years, they said some very funny things, and I took it in stride. You know, Lori Kilmartin made a funny line where she said, look, you can accuse Al Martin of being a lot of things. You could accuse him of being cheap with everybody, but you can't call him... Sexist, you know. I mean, you just can't. You that know? feels really good. Yeah, and then a lot of female comics came to my defense, and then um, Good Morning America came to the club here to interview me, and the next morning it was going to air on Good Morning America, and that same morning she issued the apology, because actually the third witness to the to that whole thing was Chris Murphy. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a post, and nobody has more credibility than that guy. Yeah. I mean, he's considered one of the most honest guys in comedy. Sure. And and he came out and, and wrote that that whole thing that, hey, you know, I was there. That, that never happened the way she said it happened. And he was a friend of Sarah's, too, you know. And um, then the other thing was that Todd was quiet during the whole thing. So... I think that had to kind of speak volumes, you know, and... Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if you could say uh, just the truth, that's all. You know what I mean? Well, what was very funny, uh, Pat, and you'll know this, is that the next day in her apology, she said something like, you know, uh, I I didn't mean to involve Al in this. It's a noble issue, and I didn't mean to involve him. He's a nice guy. And, you uh, you know, I would come into the club, do my spot, and then sign the payout sheet. This is total crap because it's one of the few clubs that never had a payout sheet, you know. She's got you mixed up with somebody else. Yeah, well, whatever, you know, it was crazy. So, yeah. uh, make a long story short, it's over. I, I, she, she apologized publicly, never emailed me or texted me a private apology. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, but, you know. But she's welcome to come here and do a guest set anytime. Anytime. <laughs> you want to come by and do a guest spot, but I'm pretty sure she's not. Thank you, Al Martin. Thank you, Jim Pope. Happy to be here. Thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Is it over?